Hey, welcome to Being Creative. <clears throat> My name is Rick Leaf, as you know, because I'm the host of this show. Uh, and nobody else, nobody else is here hosting, talking about things, laughing at their own jokes. It's just me. <laughs> I have a real good gift for this. Today's episode of Being Creative, look, I'm going to be honest, I'm still on the hunt for what this show is about and how it is uh, going to play itself out, and I still don't feel like I've found it yet, but sitting in my sunroom with a sketch pad doodling and, and trying to come up with lists and everything else hasn't led me anywhere closer to where I want to be, and at this point I've resigned myself to the idea that the only way to learn uh, and figure it out is going to be just doing it in front of you. And gosh, you know, there have been reports, some really, really cool reports, studies, maybe we'd even call them studies, um, surveys, I don't know, um, that three, maybe even at times, there's been up to four people listening to these episodes. So if, if that's true, then, then I think we've got critical mass to jump in to uh, this episode, which... It's all about, you know, the creative journey not being linear and, and, and how it doesn't follow a direct path or pattern and, and how that's what I love about it, but it also could be confusing and chaotic and exciting and maddening, but also worth every second. And I think this episode's going to have something to do with, you know, Christians and lesbians and motorhomes and drum keepers and, and uh, I don't know really exactly what's going to happen, but I think it's going to be amazing and I'm, I'm, I just think we should jump right into it. So I'm sure you found a situation like this yourself where you can't, you maybe, wow, that's terrible. What a terrible beginning. <laughs> what am I saying? What in the world am I talking about? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so there have been times in my life where I've, been trying to describe something that I believe or that I am doing to someone who you know before you even open your mouth, there's no way you're going to be able to explain this. There's not enough words in the world. Uh, there's not enough time. There's, there's no way that you're going to be able to explain what it is that you do or believe or whatever to this person and it's not that they don't understand um, the words you're using. It's not like you're using, like, it's like you're talking to a child and you're using too big of a words. It's like the ideas and understanding of ourselves and others in the world come from our experiences. And then you meet somebody whose experiences are so different from yours and, and you from them that there's no way that it can make sense any more than your life or my life would make sense to me if I hadn't had the experiences uh, that I have had uh, that are unique to me that are the way I process the experiences that happen to me. So uh, I'm thinking back to this moment. Okay, so I have to start with a confession and there's some things that I don't, you know, the confession the part of this story. It starts with the fact that in my 20s, uh, like I was raised as a child in a really religious environment. And then uh, towards high school and in my early 20s into my mid, probably late 20s, frig, I don't know. It's like, it's terrible how time flies. But 
I, it took me a long time to, to get out from underneath the idea of how, you know, I was raised to look at the world, um, which largely comes from the church. No, even that, you know, if I, I've realized now if I say something really derogatory about the church, which <laughs> because of my experiences, I'm going to, I've run into people who are just like, I don't know what you're like, what are you talking about with the church? The, to them, church is like a building that maybe they've gone to a half a dozen times in their life for a wedding or a funeral or maybe a, a, a remembrance a ceremony for veterans or, or something like that, like for, or to vote or something, you know, like church is just this like completely has nothing to do with them, never has. And they're just like, I don't understand why you like hate those buildings. They're just like community centers. For somebody else who maybe has shared an experience like me that was raised in an environment that was really about um, thought control. It was really about othering everyone in this world, which is more what my experience was like, where it's like about rules and laws and regulations and and uh, every all of these things that were in place to control um, your thoughts and your ideas and mostly your behavior. And that came from who we were against. So we were against virtually everybody. And you raised this way. And you're also maybe raised with people who are presenting themselves as leaders, you know, as leaders that God has, um, um, not ordained, but, you know, kind of like set on this earth to speak, you know, the thoughts and ideas and feelings of God. And really all this person is doing is judging you and telling you God's entirely disappointed with you and kind of hates your guts because you're such a loser. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying maybe somebody like me believed that for, for most of my life. So coming from that place, um, I, I was involved, I chose in my 20s um, to still participate in that. It was an evangelical um, denomination. Um, they would call it charismatic. You know, it was kind of like a rock and roll kind of denomination. So that was kind of how I got into it. I went to, I moved to British Columbia on the west coast of Canada, and uh, I found myself in this uh, building filled with, you know, this band on a Friday night or something that was playing rock and roll, kind of blues, rock, pop, uh, whatever. And uh, I kind of got involved in this whole thing. And and there's a few things that I find really fascinating about it, you know, um, apart from all of the theology and the ideas of God and man and the world and othering and all of that kind of gross stuff, um, there was some really just looking back on it, just some really interesting things for me as an artist, as a musician, as a creative person. I, you know, I found myself in this room, in, in this community with some really fantastic songwriters and musicians and studio musicians. And uh, if you were playing, if you were part of the band that was playing at this youth kind of event on Friday nights, the, those you would play for two hours three hours sometimes on a Friday night. If you were playing on that Friday night, you were gonna do a rehearsal on Tuesday night. So you're rehearsing and playing with these really great musicians for hours on Tuesday night, and then again on Friday night. And if you happen to be, you know, tapped to play that week on the Sunday, there was two services at least on the Sunday. So you'd be playing for hours on Sunday as well. And that rehearsal was on Thursday night. So if you were doing both of those events, you'd be playing Tuesday night, 
rehearsal, Thursday night rehearsal, playing Friday night and Sunday. It's like four days out of the week playing for hours um, as being part of a band, learn how to play in a band. I played drums, I played keyboards, eventually started writing my own songs and playing guitar. So there was this opportunity to spend a lot of time on stage being part of a, a band and a dynamic and learning how to play music, learning how to interact with a crowd, um, all sorts of different things that, you know, I look back on it, it wasn't all waste of time. There was a, a lot of opportunity to learn a lot of things creatively, but that's where I'm coming from. And uh, I, uh, there was a thing in all of those meetings. You know, you usually start off, you play all this music, and then somebody would likely get up and uh, they, they'd, you know, give some sort of a, a message or they'd preach or they would do something. And then the band would come back up at the end and they would often just be playing this really mellow music. Half the time, I think it was just like playing two chords back and forth, kind of slow, and maybe you're just soloing over it. And and uh, while they're out there um, ministering to the people, so you know you'd call the audience up and you know people that wanted prayer or something, and and the people that were in the leaders, they would go down, and they'd be praying whatever, and they just wanted this background music. And so you'd be doing this background music, uh, ministry time music or whatever it was, just just jamming and just kind of free form. Somebody just start playing an A or E or G or whatever. And the rest of you just be like kind of noodling away. And there was worse ways to spend time, I'm sure. Um, but anyways, that's where I was coming from. That was my previous experience. And I found myself years ago then... I left kind of the church, uh, didn't go anymore, wasn't part of that anymore, I couldn't handle it. And I was in a, you know, a place too. You know when you when you leave something, a relationship or a job or whatever, because it wasn't great, wasn't bad, or maybe it was terrible. Um, it takes a long time to kind of get some perspective looking back on it and see that it wasn't all really terrible. Uh, at this point of this story, I had not really worked through any of that kind of stuff. So I was still disliked all of that kind of stuff and wasn't very uh, generous in how I thought about any of it. And I found myself, um, there was a group in the city of Winnipeg where I was living at the time called the Weird Sisters, um, spelled like Shakespeare's weird, you know, W-Y-R-D. They were amazing uh, songwriters, well known, um, certainly in Canada as uh, probably the most successful lesbian folk group in Canadian history written some really, really beautiful, beautiful songs. And they needed an acoustic guitar player, or a guitar player, I guess, to go on a tour. Um, and they were doing like this uh, women's conference event at a university, and they needed a guitar player. So I'd never done anything like that before, um, but I didn't have, I wasn't touring myself, and I needed the money. So I agreed to go do that. Now I was not the guitar player that they wanted or needed. Like at that time, I really wasn't a great guitar player. And I was trying my level best, <laughs> and it was pretty bad. Uh, but I found myself uh, climbing into a motorhome to go on a tour with Canada's most successful lesbian folk group after this whole year's of being part of this evangelical church movement. And you'd think, well, this experience has absolutely nothing in common with that experience. That was definitely what I thought. I was like, I can handle this because this has nothing to do with that. And this is all kind of brand new and it's gonna be great and whatever. So we, we get in the motorhome, we drive to this uh, university and we're doing the show. 
at uh, this big women's conference, and the Weird Sisters are well known, so, you know, their fans have packed out this venue. It's full, I would say, 98%, um, you know, uh, women and at this show, and I'm just in the shadows, uh, this kind of awkward guy, um, all at one point, super excited and happy to be there, and also feeling awkward and not sure I'm allowed to be there. And there's all this kind of confusion because it's not my community. It's not my my world. I don't know anything about it other than I'm there to play these 20 songs or whatever. And the, the show goes just fine. I honestly don't remember anything of the show except for this last part that I am telling you about. We get to the end of the concert. And I think there were speakers. So in a weird way, the whole event was kind of like church. You know, we got up and we played an hour and a half of all this music. And because the weirds were really well known, people are singing along to a lot of the songs. And it's really beautiful. People got their arms around each other. And there's lots of dancing, lots of singing. It's great. I think somebody talked. I'm not sure. And then we get up to kind of finish the night off. And we get to this part there's a, a song that the the weirds have and I, I'm actually going to play you a little bit it's called leave a little light on and uh, this is a song I remember us playing maybe it was the last song of the night or close to it and uh, let me just play this little excerpt of this song and then I'm, I'm going to tell you what happened there next well I did a lot of wondering did a lot of filling in I As we're doing this song, the crowd is moving closer and closer to the stage. And there's all of these fans of the weirds. Got their arms around each other. People are crying. Like I am right now, just remembering it. <clears throat> because then the lead singer starts saying, hey, you might be all alone. You might be out there and, and you might be feel like you're totally alone and nobody understands you. <sighs> maybe you've been in the closet, maybe you've been in the dark. Well, you're here among your mothers and your sisters and your lovers and we've left the light on and, and holy, I can still remember it. People are crying. And, uh, and hugging and, and singing and we're just playing this little refrain back and forth over and over and over again it was the most beautiful thing 
And because of my experience and where I'm coming from, I have no idea what anybody else in that room, what their experience or how they're interpreting what was going on. But I was like, I'm in church. I'm like right back in church. You know, I'm in this bar. I'm in some kind of a venue that's packed out. But it was just exactly the same. And my role as an artist and a musician being on stage with this community of fellow musicians and peers, it was exactly the same. It was like providing an opportunity in a moment for people to come together and to share kind of their, wherever they were in their journey. They could have been in love and it had been amazing. They could have been totally all alone. It could have been the first time that they felt like they were home and somebody left a light on. It was just the most profound experience for me that the more things change, you know, I left this kind of religious background and baggage and all of this stuff that I hated, got in a motorhome <laughs> with this lesbian folk group thinking, well, this is, you know, refreshing and new and, and a completely different experience. And then find myself on a stage like every other stage and the the aspect of being a musician, of being creative, of finding that voice and that language to share what I have to say in this world um, for myself also is a language and a voice that I can, um, that allows me to come along with people who have experiences completely unlike mine and to participate and to support them in their voice and in their journey of, you know, encouraging, building up uh, whatever their community happens to be. It was, it was really one of the most profound experiences for me that it, that's made me, um, obviously, I've, I've never forgotten it, never probably will, because this was many years ago. And I remember, you know, I feel like that was one of the first real steps where I kind of moved from the the narrative where music and creativity and, and art and whatever were solely about empowering myself and what it is that I had to say in this world and really recognizing what a gift it is um, that could be used for absolutely anything. But in that situation, um, man, I felt so honored to be on that stage with these people I didn't know very well, with this community I didn't know at all, whose journey and struggles and challenges and feelings of isolation and loneliness and everything else that, you know, is part of that human experience um, that I normally wouldn't have an opportunity or, or much of an opportunity, certainly at that point, to interact with in a meaningful way. Uh, all of a sudden I found myself in this room um, feeling utterly at home and that that experience that feeling was uh kind of the beginning of how my shift in in uh in how I looked at the world and instead of being about others and othering everybody who's not like us and being against them and the way I was raised and taught to look at the world suddenly that began to unravel 
and that's one thing you know it's like it's like on christmas you know if you if you tear the wrapping paper off a gift and the bow and the ribbons and everything else like you 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 unpack something that that's one stage of the process but then to actually open that box and in this sense being maybe my mind my heart my spirit to open this box to like what is actually inside of this experience and inside of this experience is 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 a moment it's like we we share these moments like I shared that moment and maybe some people I would share the the memory of that moment with some of the 500 people who were in that room but each one of those memories is going to be different because that moment was different for us depending on where we came from. Um, I'm sure I was not, I'm sure it wasn't like the entire room was coming from the same journey and then it was just me. Like recognizing that there's, if there's 500 people there, there's 500 journeys, 500 experiences and that these experiences are the building blocks kind of as we construct our consciousness of who we are and what we are in this world. And yeah, mine are different from yours because of all of the different experiences that brought you to the experience that we're sharing together. And, and that to me has been one of the most beautiful aspects of being creative because it's allowed me access into people's lives and sharing experiences with people's lives that are truly profound for all of us. And I don't know how anybody else um, describes, you know, being an ally to different groups. You know, I, I uh, that wasn't my community. You know, the weirds community wasn't my community, but I, I was so thankful to be there. I was so thankful to have a guitar in my hand that even if I was an awkward guitar player at the time, even if I was an awkward musician, awkwardly... Um, participating in the night I was still there like and there's a there's a humility I think that sometimes um sometimes humility is like you shut up and you sit down and you listen to other people that's what humility maybe in a moment it's like this isn't my moment I should just shut up I think there's other moments where humility is like you're supposed to stand up and take the microphone and share your story um, and, and everything in between, you know. So I think being up there, being like not a very good guitar player at the time, but being there awkwardly, um, allying myself with what was happening and the people that it was happening with, um, you know, it was so beautiful. Uh, I, I think... If I, if I, you know, if I was to really sum up that moment, it was like, you know, we're singing about Leave a Little Light On. And I even just love the lyrics, listening to the lyric again, just in playing that thing. You know, it's like I'm I'm going to kind of go on this journey and, and discover, you know, myself and a bit of the world. And, and I hope, you know, that you leave a little light on for me to find my way back. And then there's that part where it's like, well, I'm going to leave a little light on for you. If you're coming and going, if you're, if we, if our paths, you know, go away from each other for a while and you need to go have experiences that I know nothing about. Uh, it reminds me of a few years later, I was on tour with a completely different artist. We were traveling in Southern Ontario somewhere 
We're driving down the road. Um, oh my gosh, you know when you're when you're touring with other artists, it's really important to find people who um, can sit in silence and, and when you need silence, and and also people who uh, who are willing to you know talk and share their journey as you're trying to process through maybe things that happened uh, and the night before or that you're even going through. And so I remember we're driving through Southern Ontario. You know, you really, when you're touring, if you're, I, I don't know, I've actually never talked to a whole lot of other singer-songwriters to find out if this is their experience, but for me at least, um, my songs are very, um, you know, I'm really passionate about everything I do, so I, I don't just write, you know, story songs about stuff that doesn't really matter. I usually am writing about turmoil and torment and love and passion and loss and and frustration and anger and all these kind of things like a real emotional cocktail right so if, when my shows really take a lot out of me because if you're going to write a song I at least I feel like if you're going to write a song about um loss or sadness I mean you kind of I need to put myself emotionally into that song for it to be more than words for it to be the kind of words that come out of my voice in a way that really connects with you and connects with the sadness or the loss in your journey so that it becomes a really significant song in a moment and so if you're you know if you're like me uh the day after a show you wake up and kind of have a coffee and, and a piece of toast or whatever and, and pack up the van and get back on the road to drive down the road to the next city where you're going to go through it all over again the next night i need to be touring with people who know when to just sit there in silence because sometimes you just need a couple hours you know you're you got to be together in this vehicle but i also just don't want you um, I don't want to listen to chit chat. I don't want small talk. I don't want to listen to the radio because we're going to be like doing sound check and playing for hours. Sometimes I just need peace and quiet. And anyway, I was touring with this guy who really understood it. And uh, as we were driving on the road, though, we, we um, he made this comment. He's like, I, I'm so glad that I'm with uh, someone who lets me become somebody I've never been before. And I found it such an interesting way to put it, and I never really thought about it that way. And we talked about that for probably, you know, a good hour as we were driving down the road, and it was like, yeah, it, it makes sense, right? If you are with somebody for, let's say, 10 years, if they weren't becoming somebody that they'd never been before, who you'd never met, maybe that's different interests or... Uh, experiences or talents or, or hobbies or career or whatever, education, if they weren't constantly evolving and becoming somebody that they'd never been before, 10 years go by and if your partner is exactly the same person that they were 10 years previously, that would mean they hadn't grown at all. Uh, they hadn't evolved at all. And what, what a terrible experience that would be. And yet... I don't know how many people you have in your life if you're like, hey, I want to try to do this thing I've never done before. Um, particularly, you know, we have all of these things that we tell ourselves, those sensors in our head, those voices that tell us why we shouldn't do something or you're not smart enough or rich enough or old enough or young enough or, or pretty enough or, or whatever we tell ourselves, you know, as, we, as those fears and insecurities in our voice, you know, and in, in inside of us, our brain, 
start telling us why we shouldn't try, why we shouldn't evolve, because we might look stupid or foolish or we might fail or whatever. People might laugh. Oh my God, what if people laughed at us? How horrible would that be? What if people judged us? Oh, right? So I think, you know, for somebody to... Uh, Obviously, we want to be those people, are those those that type of a person ourselves, where we just like I'm willing to be humble enough to suck at something new, to try something new and suck, and know that in that process, I'm going to take another step towards becoming who it is or what it is that I want this situation or myself to be uh, and to become. And so, um, man, that that moment. You know, with the weirds, I was like, I was so struck by, you know, how the, the, that saying, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I would have thought that leaving my religious past and that whole church experience, which I had really soured and I still, you know, wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend anybody uh, go do what I'm doing. When I meet people who still believe what I believed back then, I find it really kind of disturbing honestly um but you know the, everybody's got their own journey so you carry on just don't take me with you um that that idea though the 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 metaphor whatever it is the of the lights coming on and leaving light on for each other so that as you go and you have your experience and you try your things out um uh, that light that that friendship that acceptance that support Everything that light would kind of represent revelation. I mean, leave light on for each other and give ourselves and those people in our life um, the credit that is due, you know, that that we deserve. Um, because I, the older I get, man, the the shorter life seems. It seems like it's speeding up and it's going so fast. And, you know, my my. My kids were off at um, uh, Westerns, a dodgeball, com uh, competitive dodgeball tournament in Calgary recently. And, you know, so there's teams actually from all over Western Canada, the United States that are at this tournament. And they, they love playing. And COVID for the last couple of years has shut down so many things and so many tournaments and so many kind of public events. And they'd all jumped on a plane and they were all out there uh, participating in this tournament. And it just, I don't know, I was back here just thinking about life. And I was like, you know, life's so short. If you have that opportunity to jump on a plane and go to a city and play hours and hours of the highest level of sport that you can in that, in that sport, in that arena that you love, man, go do it. No matter whether you win or lose, whether you're blown out, whether you blow everybody else out, it's worth it. It's worth it for the experience and what you learn about yourself and the world and, and the experiences that you share. If, you, if you're coming from this kind of a, you know, if you're a little dude, <laughs> if you're a little awkward guitar player and you can't handle the church community that you've been raised in and bought into as a young adult, now you've left that and you're kind of anchorless and you're just like, feel like a, you're a little ship, you know, in this great big sea and you want to jump into a motorhome with a lesbian folk group and go on tour and go find yourself on stage in a, in a room full of people singing, leave a little light on, 
Man, that's a success in my books. As I look back on life, I'm just like, I'm glad that I had the support of the people in my life, including my partner, to say, yeah, go have these experiences. Uh, become somebody you've never been before. And I'm going to become somebody I've been before, never been before. And hopefully we surround ourselves by people who are also all on that journey um, forward to being, when we get together, we have something of substance to talk about and to share about and perspectives and ideas and experiences that we wouldn't have had the last time we came together. So this is what I love about it. You know, being creative, this whole mindset that lends itself to becoming a, a lifestyle and that that produces this energy and that empowers us and our resiliency and the confidence that we need to face the challenges that life throws at us and in that process create some momentum in our life so that we're not starting you know uh trying to push this boulder up a hill every single time and certainly not buying into the idea that you know we're old dogs that you can't teach us any new tricks or or whatever those sensors don't give room to the sensors in your life and your brain to shut you down um be awkward be an ally be adventuresome be humble enough to suck at something new and the next time we get together be one of the people who will you know whatever wow do you ever get that feeling where sometimes you're just like, you got a full head of steam and, and you just feel like this amazing orator and you're just like, you could hear the swelling strings and that whole kind of uh, Lord of the Rings type of epic soundtrack building, crescendoing as your words rise and you inspire everybody and then you just realize, I don't know what I'm talking about and I'm just totally... <laughs> You totally lose your own train of thought, but you're doing a podcast and you're recording, so you, you feel obligated to keep going, but oh my God, like there's nothing to say and you don't know what's going on and there is no soundtrack and there is no or orchestral swell, orchestral. That, hey man, coming up with words after an hour of talking out loud, coming up with words. That What's more creative than coming up with words, hey? That's it. I've just become somebody I've never been before coming up with words like orchestral. So take that, put it in your pipe and smoke it in your orchestral pipe. Okay, it just, it doesn't. I, I peaked way, way too, like minutes ago and I just kept going and it's getting worse. I think we can all admit that it's getting worse and, and I'm... As much as I advocate for sucking at something new, I don't think you should keep sucking just for the sake of sucking. So, anyways, all three or four of you that tuned in, I really appreciate it. Like, if it wasn't, you know, if it wasn't, if you weren't here, you know, I'd, I'd be all by myself, just talking to myself, like Donkey, all by myself. Outside, just talking all by myself. There's no one here beside you. Okay, anyways, no more Shrek. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Feel free to leave a comment or a question. And remember, my friends, all three of you, you're capable of infinitely more than you give yourself credit for. And so am I. That's why I'm here. So anyways, love you. And uh, until next time.